Good morning, Good campers. Good morning, campers. Today's activities include having two concurrent dream sequences about reuniting with our lost loves. <laughs> Lunch today will be a little smooch in front of an amputation. And to end the night, we will be, you know what, overall happier than when we started. <laughs> so put on your sunscreen bug spray and camp uniform as we dive into Our Flag Means Death Season 2. Season 2. <laughs> Mariska Hargitay, Sarah. Mariska Hargitay, Sam. I am Camp Counselor Sam, pro bodybuilder in training and current drag queen. And I'm Camp Counselor Sarah. I'm a mermaid. And we're here to ask, is it camp? We're diving into popular culture of all kinds to loosely identify what makes something camp. Yes, we are not here to be the definitive experts on it, but rather just talk about this often overlooked and frankly queer subgenre. And here we are to talk about the queer, and we've brought back returning guest Katie Beth. Yay, hi. <laughs> Would always like to be uh, greeted with air horns. <laughs> it is always great to have you on. Thank you for having me back and Mariska Hargitay, friends. Mariska Hargitay. Mm, so, it is <laughs> it is the week of the final episode of Our Flag Means Death dropping. And uh, boy howdy, was this season a roller coaster of emotions. Yeah, let's not have the episodes come out at 3 a.m. again next time. <laughs> Everybody was feeling a lot of feelings and they were all sleep deprived when they were doing it. Maybe that's why I had such a, a reaction to the final episode. I, I got home after a wrestling show and was like, I'll wind down the night with a nice episode oh, of no. Our Flag no. Means Don't oh, No. Oh. <laughs> oh. So uh, we discussed Our Flag Means Death uh, before, uh, season one, when it. <laughs> took over my life like a plague <laughs> um and i i can safely say that we were all three of us are huge fans of this show yeah yeah i i mean bk do crime bk do crime oh <laughs> uh, it's it's just such a it's it's a wild thing to just exist right i think we may have said that before but you know this ultra queer pirate comedy that's somewhat historically accurate somewhat <laughs> even if only by accident i'm looking here and we recorded it right after the renewal for season two mm. uh the season two was on the first of june uh last year the season two renewal was on the first of june last year and we recorded four days after that so we knew back then that a season two was coming and boy, howdy, did it take a while to come. Oh, boy. Yeah. It takes a lot mm -hmm. of time to train to become a mermaid. <laughs> a lot of core strength. Okay. Also, I'm just going to skip. Also, they had to move all the way to the other side of the world, which I think they actually went by rowboat based on how much time it took. <laughs> the the mermaid tail, which we will discuss in more detail, they had it ready and then they applied the glitter. <laughs> And the glitter added five kilos of weight, which is 11 pounds. That's a lot of glitter. That's a lot of glitter. 
That's a lot of weight. Also, I hope there was no carpet <laughs> in the place like... they were in, because it will never come out. Uh, you can see behind-the-scenes shots of the tank. The funny thing is, is um, all the shots where Ed is falling, he's actually being pulled sideways, and then they flipped it 90 degrees. Um, but that tank is huge. I was panicking just looking at it. I don't know how either of them managed to go in that wearing a tail or being tied to things and not freaking out. And holding their breath so there were oh. bubbles in the shot. Yeah, it, it's... I I know not from any personal experience, thank God, we've never done tank shots any shows that I've been on. But just, it's one of those things that oh, characters are going to be in water and underwater for stretches of time. We are going to be super fucking safe. There are like five scuba divers off on the sides of each camera shot, ready to give people tanks of air just in case. Yeah, we can't be like the abyss and have James Cameron just drowning people every five minutes. Or like, um, what, how long is it that Kate Winslet can hold her breath now after doing the Avatar oh, movie? That yeah, I something like eighteen exists? minutes or something yes. ridiculous. Yeah. Yes. Also, oh I don't know because I rewatched Titanic recently when I was sick over the summer, mm -hmm. and because I didn't want to get up, I then. Um, put on the commentary track <laughs> so i had something else to watch for right another on. few hours and they james cameron talks about when they filmed the shot where jack and rose are trapped behind the grate and the guy drops the keys and they keep <sighs> going under to get the keys <sighs> and that they did it at the lunch break and it was only the three of them in the tank so it was him with a handheld camera and the two of them and how scary it was and i was like how in the world did he get that woman back to do avatar <laughs> like how yeah. much money did he pay her well it may <laughs> maybe it wasn't even uh how much i will pay you now but more like hey would you like a percentage of the profit i'm james cameron i'm always profitable that's fair but i don't i don't know did anybody see that movie i know like one person that saw that movie Allegedly, a lot of people saw the first one. I don't believe that's true. <laughs> I, I I don't think it's so. Like I I know I I know I saw the first one <laughs> in theaters because I was like, ah, oh, might as well check it out. It's James Cameron. But uh, I did not see the second one because I don't give a flying fuck. I just I I don't have the mental bandwidth to give to that film anymore. But it's just. They, I think they talk about this on Blank Check. It's a movie that has next to zero cultural impact. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, like the right? amount like, of AO3 stories, because that's always how I track cultural impact is AO3. <laughs> but like, they have like somebody, somebody looked before the second one came out, and it was like in the hundreds, not hundreds, not thousands. Oh not, Jesus! Just in the hundreds. I was like. There are like weird Doctor Who ships that have been around for five minutes that have more stories than that. Oh yeah. Like, I never saw it because somebody I knew, a whole group of us were gonna go, and somebody I knew went alone because nobody was free the day they wanted to go, and they said it was bad, so we didn't go. Like all of us just as a group didn't go to this film. I'm sure it's gonna be re-released in theaters sometime. Um if it does, go see it in theater. The 3D really is amazing. He uses 3D like nobody else in the world. Mm. Um, the story, however, is like, yeah, you can nap through it. You've seen Fern Gully. I hate Fern Gully, yeah. and I hate Pocahontas. Yep. And I don't want to watch Sigourney Weaver get killed. So I'm like, eh, I'm good. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's fine. But I'm super glad for everybody who has a job. 
and that it takes so long that they are yes. employed the whole time. Yes. 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 Absolutely. And, 100%. Yeah, I hope Kate Winslet got profit participation. Right, back to pirates. Yeah. Back to gay pirates. <laughs> something Less something so cooler. Less so on the heterosexual blue people. <laughs> Yeah, you know how he could have made a, a better, a bigger cultural impact. Gay pirates. Put some gay. Gay pirates. Yep. Yep. Mmm. Mmm. Yes. Yes. And boy, howdy, did we get so many gay pirates in spades this season, including more women. Yay! Yes. <laughs> Number one complaint about last season. Yep. And uh, they they came in swinging. They were like, "Okay, let's let's make another lady main character, and bring in some lesbians, and uh, bring in just the pirate queen of China." Fuck it, why not? Oh. Speaking of Apollo's gift of prophecy, <laughs> Katie Beth also also called that Zheng Yi Sao would be in this <laughs> series, and that it's never fucking Susan. <laughs> Over a year ago. Um, I'm deeply sorry to Chris Chibnall that David Jenkins ate your lunch. That's that's my reaction <laughs> to that. Like literally, I I had forgotten I said that. And before I watched it, Sarah was like, Tell me when you watch it, because you said something you predicted something on the show and I want to see your reaction. I was like, Okay. Because I like hadn't watched many of the things and I try not to, you know, sometimes I want to know everything about a show and sometimes I want to go totally cold because I like to be surprised by a story that's being told so that I don't get upset when it wasn't the story I thought it was. So, um, so I I started it and I was like, oh, how cute, this girl, she's called Susan. Okay, she's flirting, she's flirting with Olu, she sells soup, cute. And then they revealed who she was, and I shrieked. And thank God I watched it during because <laughs> I live in an apartment building. But I shrieked, and I just like kept yelling. And I was like, "Oh my god! Oh my!" They literally, they literally went there. And then, yeah, I then I yelled, "It's never fucking Susan." So yes, it is never fucking <laughs> Susan. David Jenkins, I like to have a conversation with you about your television influences. <laughs> <laughs> Including the trust no one back tattoo. The trust no one back tattoo, and then them being like, "Well, I guess we live in this unremarkable house now." Like, okay, there was another one. Oh, um, oh yeah, I definitely called. Um, oh, I, th- I called something at the oh the Rat Boy. Oh yeah, that's uh, that. What about Rat if Boy? You're, if you're not a an, a big X Files fan or it's been a while, okay. Rat Boy is Alex Krychek's nickname. Oh. Yeah. So when he got called Rat Boy immediately, I was like, Crychecks here? And then it was delicious. <laughs> and I was so happy. <laughs> but I, I do think we also had another uh, brainwave of prophecy where I think we collectively said, what if they introduce, like, you know, Anne Bonnie as well? Right. What if, what yes. if she's here? Oh, right. Anne Bonnie. And lo and behold. <laughs> We get a whole episode with her and Mary in an antique shop. And she's now, Mini this one Driver. I would have been really surprised if they if they had not included it. Since David Jenkins had said explicitly, uh, David Jenkins is the creator of this show. If you guys don't know this, we are deep in <laughs> yeah. it. We are deep in yeah. it. I'm not sure. Go back and listen Catch to up. our episode on season one. <laughs> 
Um, David Jenkins had said explicitly that there were going to be lesbian pirates in season two. And given that even with all the straight washing of history, we know that Anne Bonnie and Mary Reed were gay. Good for them. Um, they were just it's... close friends. I don't know why you guys keep looking through things. They just owned an lens. antique shop together. Yeah. yeah. They were roommates. They were gal pals. Yeah, I'm sure they were talking about boys constantly. Definitely. definitely the funny thing boys. is, in real life, they were they were probably in a throuple with the actual Calico Jack. <laughs> Fuck yes. <laughs> was hopefully way less so i had i had (laughs) i had the idea that ann body and mary uh reed were gonna be in it but oh my god i could not have expected what we got (laughs) mini driver just i feel like i haven't heard seen her play a role that was not campy in so long and i haven't seen her in a bunch of things in a while so that's you know maybe i'm just catching her in the right stuff but she just rolls up in ridiculous outfits, sometimes with a tattoo on her boob of a spider, and then just, like, proceeds to eat (laughs) all of the scenery. (laughs) She boobed her way breastily into the episode. (laughs) And, And weirdly enough, it was boobing breastily in a way that was not, like... I, I don't know. There, there was nothing salacious about her boobing breastly, right? It was I don't know just if there like, wasn't for you. Right, I got these. Well, no, <laughs> not for me. Right? It didn't. It but... didn't feel necessarily like male. No, gazing. it did not feel male. Yes. Yeah, there was no like, hey, my 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 tits are down here, my eyes are way over here. <laughs> it, it was just, oh yeah, Minnie Driver's got fantastic boobs. Let her boob breastly about the place. <laughs> I think it was a couple days after the Vanity Fair first look photos came out that I realized that she had an X-Men style boob window and it hadn't even it hadn't even occurred to me because she just looked so good. It didn't occur to me because all I saw was the spider tattoo once it was pointed out. Because <laughs> initially I was just like, what is what am I looking at? Is that mini driver? Yes, it is. Yes, yes, it is. Do you think she also got it because she's scared of spiders and she, she wants to try to get over right? that fear? Is the spider <laughs> tattoo the... to drive Ed away from her? <laughs> also, I love how that spider because... tattoo was there when he gave the monologue to the bunny and then it was never seen again. <laughs> the wolf, you mean? Yes, yes, yeah. the wolf. I was thinking about that as I rewatched last night. I'm like, either either it's just a fun turn of phrase, or they're trying to tell us that Ed is so out of sorts on land that he thinks this is a wolf. I think he was just tripping on the fact that he had been dead recently. He was, he yeah, was still and he was Gregory quoting White Snake. Yeah, yeah and uh, <laughs> don't love the like. Let's quote the original lyric that uses the slur yeah. instead of the standard lyric, like. It's been so long I had forgotten that was the original lyric. I was super, I was a little bummed by that, but they at least cut it off. Taika, of all people to choose to use that specific G slur, was uh, a real surprise. Yeah. Didn't love it. Didn't love it. But they didn't say the whole thing, at least. So, you know, it's half a progress. (laughs) 
Uh, we'll just add up our, all our little fractions of progress. Uh, yeah, our, our progress meter is slowly filling in, and once it's all the way up to the top, we can do like a limit break and, and kill the patriarchy <laughs> with it, right? Yeah. Okay. That's when we unleash our secret attack. I think we have to dress like the British Navy, though, for the secret Excellent. Attack. That means we'll be hotter than we've ever been in our entire yes! lives. Um, in my notes, I have a note that says people who got hot and then in parentheses, ter, so some of them got hotter. Um, and I would just like to give my short list of people who got hotter. And this is with the caveat that on the whole, everyone got hotter. But these are my like special mentions. Yes. Um, Jim obviously leads the pack. The yeah. hair, yeah. the fact that Vico had that hair and they just kept cutting it shorter, shorter, shorter. And Vico had to wear a hat for like however long they were filming so nobody saw the hair. <laughs> It's like the reverse of Donald Faison in Clueless, where he had the really bad haircut the whole time, and they had to put him in hats for that one scene where they shave his head at the party. <laughs> when um, when Zachary Quinto was playing Spock, because you can't like you can't have normal eyebrows for the rest of the time when it's your weekend or whatever, he would just like wear a lot of hats and hoodies, being like, just don't look at the the outside half of my eyebrows. You should have just bought some Jessica Simpson clip-on bangs. Didn't those exist back then? <laughs> uh, my second person who got hotter is the Swede. Yes. It's an adjustment oh, for me as well. Um, okay, first of all, I would just like to... <laughs> not, not, this is, not just the clothing. This, this man wrote The Descendants. I just always feel like I need to lead with that because what? But yeah. also, like... I'm sorry. When they went back to Spanish Jackie's oh and the hair was pulled back and the crop top of the Jackie's logo. <laughs> if HBO was smart, no, they would sell that not shirt. E- not even that. Oh my god. Not even that. It was it was before that the uh the stealing the box of indigo mm-hmm. when he's giving mm-hmm. Spanish Jackie the massage and you're like, oh he's shirtless. Oh. Uh-huh. Oh, that's what's happening right? underneath the shirt. Whole I did where did this come from? What? 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 <laughs> well, and like, he's not, I'm sorry. He's a totally like normal, pleasant looking man without that wig on. And that wig kind of like yeah. makes him look super weird. Like he looks like, I don't know, somebody you'd see in the Eurovision movie on Netflix. But like. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. But like, what? What happened? I, apparently getting fed poison for an extended period by Jackie has really rounded out his life in a way that's reflecting on his appearance. <laughs> <laughs> it's discovering those new parts of him as a whole. There, am I remembering correctly that there's the comment that somebody says jackhammer in reference to him? Yes. Oh, Jackie yeah, says she, that she, she fucks, does. He fucks like a jackhammer, <laughs> which then somebody had to point out to me that jackhammers didn't exist yet. <laughs> Maybe it's an old-timey word. Neither did like, White I'll, Snake. I'll give all these kinds of passes. There was a famous sex worker called Jack Hammer. <laughs> yes, let's go with I, that. I'm signing off on that yeah. in the same realm as the, like, John Crapper, Thomas Crapper story, which mm-hmm. I can't remember if it's true or not anymore. There's too many of those. <laughs> okay, my third person who got hotter. This is the last one. Steed. Ugh. 
Now listen, listen. Oh, I, I, I think I need to abstain from this conversation. But I think yes. you should comment on this. <laughs> having having seen him personally and spoken with him very recently, I feel like you could probably <laughs> comment better than the rest of us. I I had a conversation with him when I got an autograph with Reese Darby, and um, it doesn't matter what the conversation was about. But I, the point is, I was telling him a story and. He doesn't, I told him, like, you don't have to believe me or whatever, because millions wouldn't. And uh, he looks down at the item that he's signing and he says, hmm, yes, looks very authentic. <laughs> and uh, and then he looks me dead in the eye and smiles <laughs> and he says, I believe you. <laughs> and then I left the Javits Center and walked into the river. <laughs> and what else yeah, could you so, do and, in that and moment? I leave it. You you mean you ascended through the roof? You just vibrated so hard and shot into the sky. Yeah. Um, no, they. <laughs> it's funny because my mom does not get the the Reese Darby slash Steed thing, and you can tell she's like trying to be supportive when she's like, "Oh, when you look at him, like here, he looks like Hugh Jackman." I'm like, "Yeah." She's like, "He's quite tall, isn't he?" Yeah, and she's like. <laughs> But she watched season two, and then she she said to me, she's like, that hair's not real, right? I'm like, it's real. Oh, my God. Yeah, I saw somebody tweeted a side-by-side of, like, Steed on Safari from season one. And Steed <laughs> in, like, I guess episode seven or eight. Like, it's him in the the shirt with the two little knots mm. on the deep V, which like, wow, way to bring back a aughts era lady shirt and look really hot in it. <laughs> um, please don't bring back that fashion for the rest of us though, please. Um, it was not cute the first time, but, but like it was a picture of a side by side and like everything about like the posture is different and the, you know, the expression is different and his hair is different and you know, the clothes. And I looked at, and the comment was like, you're telling me this is the same man? Yeah. It's like, yeah, now I see it. Like, okay, right. I didn't originally think, man, that man is really handsome, but now I do. Oh, my God. <laughs> also, like, I'm sorry. And he wears fine things well. He wears fine things well. He does. Listen, he looks so much hotter now that Ed threw all of his clothes into the ocean. <laughs> Right? I was so... This was the thing that I was so worried yes. about for season two. I'm like, he's going to be in one outfit. We don't get, like, paper doll Steed Bonnet. Um, but he still got to swish around and, and be a silly little boy. And he still looked great. Um, that red Phantom of the Opera outfit was horrifying. Oh. And he looked so funny in it. I loved him <laughs> swishing. Because he was like, I haven't had nice clothes. Okay, just give me this. There's a there's a funny bit with the um, uh, designer, the weirdly enough the the designer whose first name is also the G slur, yeah, um, yeah. Um, who says like we put him in basically the mock up and you could see instantly the change in Reese like he stood up <laughs> taller in, in the room, and that sort of thing. And I think it's so cool the way clothes or costumes can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I know. I haven't. Yeah. I haven't delved very far. I haven't had time to read into like all of her. I think she's done some interviews or she's chatted about the costumes, mm-hmm. and I'm so excited to read all of that because like her work is so beautiful and it tells the story so well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 
Oh, God. Great costuming can change things so easily. Just like, ugh. Uh, I mean, um, have you ever seen Silent Hill, the movie? Mm-mm. I saw it when yeah. it came so, out once, like years and years ago. There's a really subtle piece of costuming that happens in the film. And the main character, played by Rada Mitchell, uh, she, yeah, it, spooky things happen. Ooh, right? <laughs> And at the beginning of the at the beginning of the film, she is wearing a blue dress with a leather jacket, and she never changes her outfit. Like she might remove the jacket. That's about it. But uh, you know, it's it's kind of like a summery dress. But what happens over the course of the film is that as things keep happening to her, the dress changes color. Ooh. And you don't realize that by the end of the film, she's now in like a deep red dress because by that point like she's been through fires which is you know it it slowly went from blue to light blue to ashy gray to dark and then it became redder as things were like bleeding on her and all kinds of crap because it's a horror movie but it's just this really subtle costume change without actually changing any of the costume over the course of the film it's it's real fucking cool i'm sure somebody's written about it somewhere but uh I I remember being blown away by that when I noticed it uh, after watching it a couple times. I was like, oh, holy shit. Yeah, it's one outfit that's just different colors throughout the film. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, mm-hmm. a fun clothing-related moment is Ed throwing his leathers into the sea and then putting on button shirt to go hang out at the Republic of Pirates. <laughs> I I was so worried when somebody pointed out that uh, that he was wearing Buttons' jacket that it meant that Buttons had died. But I did not take into account (laughs) that Button could change into a bird and fly away. Buttons is a sea witch. Which I so when when Auntie showed up the first time and was like sea witch and I literally I think I texted you even Sarah I think I was like wait Calypso did she just call him Calypso or is there a different sea witch not realizing that Calypso <laughs> was going to be part of the story later but like my brain just goes pirates of the Caribbean at all times <laughs> um, but I was so excited and so so then I was like what is he up to and when he turned into a bird. And the bowl was just there to be like a hat, I guess. I don't. Oh my god. Yeah, it's <laughs> the vessel that he's searching for. He doesn't actually use as a bowl. It's a hat. It was a really, really lovely hat. I think it was a good choice. It's, it's magic. I want to know how many meetings there were about what that bowl would look like and what color it would be. <laughs> would it have a texture? Um. I honestly feel like my mom owns that bowl. Like, I'm pretty sure we have the same green bowl in our kitchen right now. Okay, well, don't put it on your head unless you want to turn into a bird. <laughs> I was saying to somebody, well, like, it's awesome. <laughs> After all of that, it looks like he got it from, like, the Pioneer Woman for Walmart collection. <laughs> oh, my God. So, so the so the buttons witch thing is the point where Sarah messaged me and said, I love that he's being recognized for being ocean weird. and i just really love that description of buttons like he's not regular weird he's ocean weird 
I was thinking about this as I was rewatching yesterday. Something about how it seems weird, especially with all the discussion that's been going on about disability in this show. Um, but as somebody who <laughs> who has an autistic family member, the way everybody treats Buttons as though he isn't weird feels like very familiar to me. Mm. Like everybody just gets that that's how Buttons is and doesn't try to fix him. And part of that is because they're just like a crew of misfits anyway. But I find that acceptance of Buttons really beautiful. I think the only time anyone ever gets frustrated with him is right before he transforms when it's like, listen, I know you're trying to do this thing, but I've got stuff going on too. <laughs> well, and yeah, but uh, yeah, it's, it's exactly oh, that. Yeah, no, no Sam, ahead, you go. go. Uh, yeah. I was going to say like, even at that one point, like Ed himself is just in a whole different place to not be able to deal with people period. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's it's the most like okay this is the one time the one time people aren't aren't doing it but even even still like while while he's accepted generally by the crew in this season like bringing in like uh auntie and and mm-hmm. uh Zheng, like finally there are people who really get him mm-hmm. on top yeah. of it like there's there's the acceptance and then there's really getting him right when he wakes up in the morning he's like ah the the sea cures all ails and Shang is just like that guy gets it uh, <laughs> yes yes queen <laughs> yes queen yes literal queen yes well and so I yeah sorry go ahead oh, I was gonna say um I just love that like buttons turning into a seagull kind of hits on the what I think, what stands out to me is a big theme of the season, which is the transformative power of love in, like, all its different forms. Yeah. Like, Ed is at a horrible point, was almost murdered, has come back from some kind of sea purgatory situation. I keep trying to make Gravy Basket into some kind of, like, actual dish in my head. Like, <laughs> I think I keep trying to make it into a strange poutine spinoff. And, yeah. yeah. Um, that's what my brain keeps considering is like literal like fries and gravy. Um, but like, sorry, is, isn't, isn't strange poutine a Prozac sh- song? song? I got a strange 90s. poutine. <laughs> oh my God. Um, yeah. So, so like, you know, Ed's in this moment of like, everything is terrible and dealing with, you know, really what seems like at its least a depressive episode, if not, you know, something much more significant than that. But like, like Ed is still trying to figure out what's happening in the world and like feeling like nothing is going to be right again and feeling like Steve can't change and they can't be together and like Steve runs off and then Buttons transforms into a seagull in front of him, or right, right, <laughs> right beside him basically around the tree. And, you know, like he hasn't run off. We don't hear him run off. He literally turns into a bird. And Ed's kind of like, oh, oh my God. Okay, love can transform you if you let it, if you want it to. But like, you have to do the work. And then Steve comes running back for him. And he's like, hey, will you go with me? Because I'm lost. And it's like, this the, that's the moment, right? Like, that's the moment of like, okay, great, let's go. Like, and then they go together. And so it feels like Buttons becoming a bird 
for all its silliness, is like a major comment on like any form of love, right? And this show. Yeah. Yeah, it's the it's the idea that, you know, Buttons was chasing this seemingly impossible. Mm-hmm. And Ed at the moment, at that moment, was very much in the idea of like loving me, loving my uh, whether it's somebody external or myself mm-hmm. is an impossible thing, right? I am I am unlovable. I am fundamentally a terrible human being. Why would anyone love me? Mm-hmm. including myself and then to see the impossible happen in front of him a human becomes a seagull he goes oh yeah. shit i guess anything is possible if buttons can become a seagull i i guess i could be loved and that's correct I because think... he is because that's that's yes. far less ridiculous <laughs> all of us want to cup ed teach in in our little palms and say it's okay baby <laughs> I think the thing that so many people connected to, I th- including I think all three of us um, in season one, was the idea that you don't necessarily have to change to be loved, is that you can be your own weird self and somebody will come along and see you and like all of those parts that other people don't like. Mm-hmm. But season two or don't is understand. about... <laughs> yes. Yes. Um and season two is about the fact that you can love somebody, but to be together, you have to work at it. Um, and that's why I think there's a lot of, like you said, uh, this idea of transformation and change throughout this season. Yeah, like there's all the there's all these examples I wrote down, like like Mersteed, which, you know, shout out to Reese Darby for becoming a cryptid again. Congratulations on taking another <laughs> cryptid off of your little scout badge <laughs> checklist. I saw somebody on Twitter be like, he finally did it. I was like, that X-Files episode is like seven years old. It's not finally did it. He's already been a cryptid. He just got another. Um yeah, I think Guy Man is like, am I a joke right? to you? I think more people need to experience the joy that is Guy Man. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you know, so we we should we could build a a bingo card, just fill it with cryptids, <laughs> and every time Reese Darby becomes a cryptid, just knock another one off, see what the line is that we'll get eventually. I've got big money on Mothman oh, being next. He's got to take to the he'd air. He's so cute as Mothman. I'm picturing, like, <laughs> a tick-style outfit for this. <laughs> Hi there. I've come to warn you that the uh, bridge will collapse this uh, winter. Uh, please be safe, safe out there. Uh, please listen to my warnings. I bring, bring dire portents. This episode has been cre- has been designated as a hate crime by the government of New Zealand. <laughs> oh my god um well like ed's rampage is something i put on the list so like ed who's like i don't kill anymore i outsource the big job i think it's the like exact thing he says in season one and Mm -hmm. as soon as he thinks something happened to steed he's like choking british soldiers with their own rifles which gave me a flashback to this moment in the season two of the flight attendant where michelle gomez chokes somebody with a wooden spoon which was like a religious experience (laughs) if you've never seen it she's really hot in that show um (laughs) 
it was the greatest thing that show's ever done for me. Um, anyway, but like he immediately is like, "Welp, let me just go kill all of the Royal Navy because they might have taken Steed away from me," and I think that is just really special. Um, yeah. A repeated comment I saw about that scene was, fair, but do the Royal Navy really count as people? <laughs> I mean, again, I've seen a lot of Pirates of the Caribbean 3 films, and uh, that's correct. Maybe the one guy who was married to Michelle Gomez I, I just love life. that he, he begins his whole rampage with, he wrote me a lovely letter. <gasps> he wrote me a lovely letter! He's so mad. He's so... He, first of all, thank God he got one of the letters that's not like sad and desperate because you know some of them totally were. Some of them were like, oh my God, we John keeps farting and waking me up from my dreams and it's really awful and Ed, I need for you to come back and save me. But like, no, he got one of the beautiful ones and oh my God, like, first of all, there's there was the debate before the season aired about which one of them is the Mulder and which one of them is the Scully. So I would just like to propose the following. <laughs> Again, David Jenkins, let's have a conversation. First of all, <laughs> Steve Bonnet is out here writing these fucking beautiful, flowery-ass letters to Ed Teach <laughs> and throwing them into the ocean like Dana Scully right in her fucking diary. Dear Mulder, blah, 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 I'm dying. Your beautiful mind. Okay, so that's the first one. And then Steve gets back to the ship and Ed has thrown the knives into the ceiling in his room. Yes! And I just went, this Fox Mulder ass motherfucker. <laughs> and then he came back from the dead. I mean, I'm just saying. Um, Truly, wherever you go, there you are. The X-Files. I mean, it's, its influence on all of our queer popular culture is not to be matched. <laughs> for a show written by a straight white yeah, for, man that for starts... such a <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah for for a very straight tv show boy howdy did it create a lot of queer stuff dana scully was definitely not straight she just was only ever seen with that oh. man have you seen the scene yeah, with her that, and felicity huffman <laughs> yeah there's it's just it's that that whole thing of yeah it's um it's by erasure let's call it that that's yeah right yep. just because we saw her constantly with a man doesn't mean she doesn't have chemistry with all the women that yep. could have been and thank you jillian anderson for that because we know about your impact on queer culture <laughs> oh my god do we ever holy shit i just I know it will never happen, but I want somebody to ask Alex Kingston about it, and it's a good thing that Galley got rid of mm. audience questions. Mm -hmm. I just, I just want to confirm or deny on that story that everybody's heard about them. Sometimes sorry, I think about story? the fact. What? Uh, wait, wait, oh what? Boy. I'm missing something. Go There's for a story? it. Go for it, please. <laughs> how how detailed should I be with this story? <laughs> well, let me put it this way: when I when I upload. Spotify forces a choice between clean and explicit, <laughs> and we're certainly not clean, so go for it. <laughs> There's a story that in the 1990s, Gillian Anderson apparently cut a path through the queer female population of Hollywood. One such story involves her opening a door to a hotel room to pick up the room service, wearing an open robe and 
um, one other item on her body with Alex Kingston in the bed. You you can't see my face. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is a gape. I am in awe. <laughs> I. I why 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 are we living in a world where she's not currently in all kinds of sapphic TV shows, finger banging her way to the top or something? I I uh, uh, what Jillian Anderson? Come on, this come is, on. So this is why I think that Jillian Anderson specifically, or Dana Scully, take your pick, is River Song's first wife. That's what yes. I like to picture, and good for her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is one of those things that anytime one of them gets mentioned in reference to the other, I kind of just want to pop up out of nowhere and be like, "Did you know?" <laughs> I just can you imagine the power those two would have if they had to become a couple? Just like <laughs> cutting men down with steely gazes. It would be like like a oh sonic boom. We all in our childhoods would have looked up and been like, what was that? I mean, Jillian Anderson is already responsible for most of the bisexuals that, you know, have mm. happened yeah. in the last 35 <laughs> years. So, well, specifically in the last 30 no, years. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in my X-Files rewatch phase right now. I think I'm in season four. Oh. And in the first season, so I was beautiful. like... Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Jillian Anderson is like she she looks okay. She's she's fine. And then as the season progresses and they start to actually like learn it's Jillian Anderson, I'm like, oh no, there she is. <laughs> I recognize yeah. my queen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, they oh, tried to play so... her yeah, she... and she just shines when... through like a supernova. When she has cancer, she's the most beautiful. Like she's the most beautiful in every season, but when she has cancer, she's so beautiful. It's such like Wow. Yep, that's she's a literal angel they were going to take from us. Ridiculous. Also, she's mortal, Dana Scully. So, you know, just putting that out there. <laughs> Speaking of cryptids. Whereas Jillian, on the other hand. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's how we got started on this. Cryptids. Cri- yes, 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 cryptids. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jillian Anderson, also probably yeah. mortal. But, you know, she would be good to be on this. She... She... Oh, yeah. Are there more Lady Gay Pirates you know we what? haven't we... had yet? I can't remember. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. The point wait, is, wait, wait. and I think... Um, Sorry, go when, ahead. When was... Not not thinking strictly uh, gay gay Lady Pirate, but I uh, know my, my brain kind of went sideways for a second. Um, What's his name? The, the trans surgeon who perfected the C-section. Mm, okay can't remember his name it doesn't matter Fuck. when he was because Zheng Yi Sao was a hundred years after um, Steed and Ed oh, okay yeah I never looked up that one because I was like I don't want to be spoiled I don't want to feel like this is wrong it's right I'm fine with this and yes that is knowledge that we have because of Doctor Who 1833 yeah. 1833 was when the um, was when Dr. James Barry performed James the, Barry. one of the first successful uh, known C-sections. Mm-hmm. Good for Wait. Him. Mm-hmm. Really? 
Yes. Okay. I only asked yes. because I went to see a production of Mackers recently because it's the 400th anniversary of the first folio or whatever. Um, and that's like his major plot point is that Macduff can kill him because he's not of woman born, a.k.a. he's a C-section baby. Um, so the idea is this was a successful one in which both patients survived. Copy that. Okay. Fair. Yes. Very fair. Okay. Yep. That yeah. makes sense that, now. That- that's the caveat. Yeah, that's the, yeah, not cutting the baby out and just, yeah, leaving the mother to sepsis yeah. because it's, you know, 17th century Scotland or whatever. Yeah. yeah a little yeah. earlier than that. But yeah. Look at all these germs. Well, not germs. They're imps. Imps got into her. And <laughs> what if we washed our hands? What a silly idea. No, don't be ridiculous. Men and doctors are clean. You should totally smoke a mm-hmm. cigarette while over an open body. <laughs> mm-hmm. Eat a sandwich while you're there. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if if it's it's been many many years now since this was the the big geek show of Vogue. So campers, if you have never seen the show Life on Mars, watch the British one, the first episode, and you yes. will be shocked by the forensic. It still, I never even watched the whole show, and I am so disgusted by that first episode that's stuck in my brain. Where they're eating the sandwiches sandwich. over a crime scene. Oh my god! Okay, yeah. I've had that show on my list for literal years because I like that man, and I've never gotten around to it. And my mother keeps saying you have to watch it. I mean, seriously. Um, yeah, and uh, now I know that yeah, I need yeah, to be prepared for an ache factor. Yeah, and mm-hmm. then it has a sequel series. Uh, Life on Mars became Ashes to Ashes. Mm-hmm. It's set in the eighties. Moved to London. It's set in the which 80s wait yeah. you you haven't seen Keely Hawes and Ashes to Ashes because that is your crack. You know, and I can't believe I haven't seen either of them. But I've been told repeatedly by my mother that I need to watch it. I know. So yes, okay. I. It's on my list. When I say it's on my list, I mean there's a okay. literal list, and it is in fact <laughs> at the top of the list. Sometimes is it at the top of the list because it's been on the list for so long? Also, because it's John Sim. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm just looking at a place on my shelf where his action figure should be and realizing I don't have one. (gasps) No. I know. I know. Anyway, John Sim also noted bisexual. When you buy the John Sim Master, Mm -hmm. I was not aware of this either. Um, three of the four modern masters from doctor who are bisexual the one that we don't oh, the one that we don't have God. a specific comment on is the most recent one and that's because it's not something he's ever needed to say publicly that is a personal business sharing but yeah michelle gomez noted bisexual yes Dick, um Derek jack be noted bisexual <gasps> yes i know <laughs> My my villain origin story is the fact that Derek Jacobi and Sir Ian McKellen had crushes on each other at school <gasps> and neither of them acted on it. That's so I know. cute. That, that's that's why the show Vicious exists. That's so it's so cute. good. Oh my god. <laughs> it's if they they came up with the concept of what if we had got together? What would that have been like? And then a sitcom was spawned from it. So you're saying I should well, watch this? we would this probably too. both be giant. Yes, yeah. It's a it's a very old fashioned British show mm-hmm. uh, with laugh track and all that, but they're the two of them are so enjoyable together. So you're telling me I there's think it's I think it's ten great. episodes over fifteen years. 
Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I want to talk for a little bit about uh, Prince Ricky Banks. (laughs) You mean Prince No Nose? What I call it? That guy. That dick face with no nose or something. Yeah. (laughs) Noseless. I call him Noseless Uh, something. A noseless it's prick. true. This man has no nose. <laughs> this man has no nose. <laughs> please hear that. If, if you're of the right age, please interpret that specific line reading as being like the one from Ghostbusters. This man has no penis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah. When I realized this is his something name was that I think really, Richard, and I've been calling him Prince Dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. He he is one of the things that really um, I think improves on rewatch mm-hmm. because he's not sadly the the one crime I will lay at David Jenkins' feet is that there's no badminton triplet in this season. No, unfortunately, <laughs> not not yet. Not yet, not yet. But also, how was um, he to know that Only Murders in the Building was going to write that Witch of the Pickwick tripl- Triplets did it song that would have been really fun to try and put on the badminton triplets. Uh, and like it's Rory Kinnear Rory Kinnear is the best so I think trying to live up to Rory Kinnear as your season one villain is pretty tough but when we talk about um, this is my theory again about season one is about being true to who you are and season two is about change and in season two we get Steed as villain that's Prince Ricky he is a guy who is inspired by the pirate life goes for it. And then at the very first upset, immediately falls back on all of his privileges. I mean, if you had your nose cut off when you were just trying to pull a wet bandit situation, would you also not probably go back to your life? I absolutely would. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I would I would go back to my life, but I'd go deeper into my life. <laughs> and not try not try to get revenge because you know my nose is gone. My nose is. I, I, my nose is. Yeah, my nose is. And yeah, I I would just be like, you know what? Not gonna risk any more body parts. Gonna go back to being a minor prince. The line he keeps on saying. What does that even fucking mean? Who goddamn knows? Minor prince. <laughs> I, number one, so I looked up a, a Lime Ricky, his signature wet bandits <laughs> cocktail. <laughs> and a Lime Ricky is uh, seltzer water, simple syrup, and fresh lime juice. So in my head, a Lime Ricky is just a Sprite or a 7-Up. That's <laughs> all I can think of. <laughs> Please enjoy this refreshing Sprite. <laughs> Yes. Every time I see a sprite, I'm like, that's a lime Ricky right there. Um, because truly, <laughs> the brain rot never dies. <laughs> and number two, I think it's really um, interesting that there was never even a thought of, even though Steed did go back to his old life, Steed never wanted to go back to... Uh, this is the easy way to live because he said it was killing him and Ricky said it was killing him too, but it, he, he said like he was at his darkest point and hearing about Steed gave him a reason to live. And, uh, and fuck that. It turned out that it was hard. Yeah. So he didn't change. It feels 
to me, and I haven't watched, I've only watched the the first half of the season, I think, three times. I haven't finished the whole mm-hmm. three times. Um, But, like, it feels almost like a shock. It feels a little jolting that he changes from being, like, nerd guy who ran after his hero to try and do the same thing into becoming a villain. Oh, my God, he's the thing from The Incredibles. Um, oh, yeah. He's the guy with the cape. But, like, he... It feels it feels jarring to see him again, and all of a sudden he's gone full villain because it's like that feels really fast, right? Does it feel mm-hmm. that way to you? I think there's a suggestion when he's negotiating mm-hmm. with uh, Zheng Yi Sao about their their truce or ceasefire or whatever that his father is very high up. Mm. Um, Something about his father controls the treasury. Um, So I always assumed it was just a case of him having access to power that he hadn't been interested in before. And again, that thing about privilege is when he decides to reach for it, it's there. Yeah, yeah, Nepo baby Prince Ricky. (laughs) He is is the ultimate version of everything we hate about a Nepo baby. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. It's funny what you said. Uh, I was thinking about that in the scene where she's getting the Swedish massage. Jackie sits up immediately. And just like in season one, when she knows somebody's fucking with the nose jar, she immediately recognizes that somebody's fucking with the bar just from the sound. I mean, like, she loves her husband so much, but she's so aware of what her job and her lifestyle is that she poisons all of them so that if and when (laughs) somebody tries to you know, screw her over, she can poison them safely. (laughs) I'm really excited about sort of this expansion of Spanish Jackie that's also promised by the end of season two, that we're going to see more of her and more of her life with the Swede. Um, It's so cute. That's very fun because season one is like badass Spanish Jackie, but season two with her teaming up with the revenge crew feels like we're getting to see more of her as a character. And I really love that, especially since Leslie Jones seems to really, really enjoy playing her. Leslie Jones is so fun in this show. And I hope she's having half as much fun as it looks to on us on screen because like, Oh my God, like I can't, I can't imagine going to work and getting to be like this every day. And also she's so hot this season. She should have been on my hotter list. Oh my God. The costuming that they do for... Can we talk about her dynasty shoulder pads? Oh my god. Well, and the cutout? Everybody's got boob cutouts this season. <laughs> yes! <laughs> like, oh my god. Yeah, that outfit. I was like, girl, are you doing a figure skating program after this? Like, what is happening? <laughs> so good. And her... The scene oh <laughs> where they steal the indigo and she, she storms out in, like, this nightgown slash robe thing. Oh my god. That- don't don't think about it. It has an empire cut, which is a hundred years early. Yeah, but fine. don't think about it. And it's like it's like glowing bronze in the lamplight. It's incredible. I really want to make draping, that. I really really want to make that. The draping on that piece that is like beautiful work. I literally said I was like, good for you. Like you deserve to look that fucking good in the show. <laughs> Oh my Especially since hair. Spanish Jackie, oh, Spanish yeah. Jackie is but like Spanish so... Jackie doesn't often get to look like yeah. 
feminine and pretty, and she just smashes it out of the park oh, in that scene. It almost it's, it's it reminds not, me of a sale. It's not just feminine and pretty; it's sexual as well. Yes, mm. right. And it's, it, she is a sexy woman. And it's not her being sexualized; it's her sexuality. Yes. The, yes. The fabric and the draping of that piece reminds me of when Ariel comes out of the ocean in the original Little Mermaid, and she wraps herself <gasps> in the sail. Yes. Except flattering. And without a sail for the shoulder bags. (laughs) But like, literally, right? I thought you were going to say Ariel when she comes out at the end in the glittery dress. Where it's just like, it's just flowing off of her like water. It feels like the fit of like the the glittery dress. God, that's a good dress. When I was little, that dress reminded me of Vanna White. Because I was the only person I'd ever seen wear glitter. Because I was a very small child. Well, yeah, Van. when you're a child, Vanna White is the most glamorous person to have ever lived. Also, Vanna Mm -hmm. White, who sits backstage and knits, good for her. Yes. Would that we could all just dress up fancy and then knit on our free time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, I'm sure her and uh, if she ever got the chance to meet Dame Judi Dench, they'd just sit backstage and knit and crochet away. Dame Judi will probably just recite some Shakespeare to her. (laughs) Yeah. It'd be beautiful. My God. Our Vanna White Dame Judy slash fic starting (laughs) now. (laughs) Oh, I was just thinking like like something fluffy, but you went there. Uh, no, of course I'm going to go there. Everything goes there. Ah, oh, beautiful, beautiful. Anyway, oh God, what's that behind you two? Coming up oh, from no. the floor. Oh no! It's a pair of French doors. Oh. <laughs> they creak open as both of your arms are bound and you're gagged by ropes from the mizzen mast. I don't know what a mizzen mast is, but they're clearly from there. <laughs> And no, out, it, it works. Yeah, out, out from the the French doors comes a horrible little puppet on a tricycle. <laughs> Hello! Hello, Robin. <laughs> it's it's my first time with a guest. Oh, hello, Kenny Beth. Hello, Robin. <laughs> I I have a little game to play. What? <laughs> oh god. Our non-binary saw puppet hasn't been around for a while. I think I think they were sitting out the WGA strike. Yeah, I I couldn't I couldn't promote any work because of the strike. You know, I I've been a, a writer on on episodes of The Bear. It's very difficult for them because they can't reach all the way to the top of the counter. No, I can only use the front stoves. You gotta get one of those um, those tower things that little small children use. There you go. Oh, it's a good idea. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll run that by people. (laughs) Anyway, game time! As the audience may or may not know, our very own Sarah creates bespoke scented candles based on things from the show (laughs) yes i didn't pay for this to happen (laughs) use code camp for extra love in every purchase at made by mod goods (laughs) the the game today is specifically for katie beth oh god 
if you if you could create a bespoke scent based upon anything from this season, what would it be, and where? What would you call it? Hmm? Oh. Um. Wow. That is a big range of options. Okay, so immediately coming to mind, I have two things. One would be, um, I can't think of a cute name. Let me think about a name as I say this. One would smell like, uh, say, a collection of goods that have been brought from all over to one location and pose in a lovely fashion so that they can be sold for people to decorate their homes and pirate ships. Uh, yes, it's the uh, antique shop run by our two lesbian pirates. And I think it would smell <laughs> a little bit of like smoke, just a little, like some leather and some smoke. Um, like like when you add liquid smoke to a dish. Yeah, like that. Like, yeah, like when you want a drink that's on fire, but you don't want to actually get burned. Um <laughs> And I don't know what I'd call it. All I can think of is boob window, and that is not exactly it. <laughs> <laughs> and my other thought is I would make a scent that smelled like the towels from Zeng, from Zeng's ship, and I would call it Towel Boy. <laughs> and maybe it would have a little chamomile. Just a Just little. Just a little. Not enough to knock you out. These both sound like incredible scents that you may or may not be able to purchase at Made by Mod Woods. <laughs> <laughs> Made by Mod, know what's good for you. <laughs> All right, Thanks that's the game. G- goodbye. <laughs> and the French goodbye. doors fade into the mist and you two are unbound from your moorings. Wow. Sam, why <laughs> were you gone all this time? You just missed Robin. I I had to go to the washroom again and I didn't need to, to, to tell you, I guess. <laughs> the problem is when I think of uh, fragrances for this season, all I'm coming up with like is a humble fisherman and nobody wants that candle. Well, hey, he's not actually doing any of the fishing, so it's not going to smell fishy. It's just going to smell like the yeah, ocean. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, ma- your many, pop-pop. many different things on fire scents. Yes. Oh, my God. I mean, listen, what is it about dysfunctional gay relationships and setting things on fire to keep things spicy? <laughs> <laughs> uh, when, you, when you mentioned chamomile in the towels... Our, our sweet, tender, soft boys <laughs> roofied an entire ship of women, and we were all like, that's fine. They're not going to hurt those ladies. Nope. Do you know how much work you have to do to set that up? Nope. I mean, I think they know that Auntie would kill them, even if she was yeah. knocked out. Yeah. Her, her unconscious body would come back to life and kill them. I was deeply worried when she when it seemed like she might have died. Yes. So I love we her. We all were. <laughs> I love her. Her name is in my notes in all caps because I love her so much. Um, when she does like the validating in the last episode. Oh, oh my God. When uh, when Zheng's face just like 
crumples when auntie says she's proud of her oh that that might have been like the most deeply felt thing oh my god i i felt throughout the entire season like oh i i get what this relationship is now mm-hmm. and i can't wait to rewatch it with that in mind it's so oh my god well and like the conversation she has right before with oluwande about like you're not a man you're soft <laughs> And then she goes on to explain, like, she needs soft because, like, she is she is the pirate queen. She has a really busy, difficult life, and she needs, like, the break in her day. She needs somebody in her life who is just there to be soft and loving to her. And Auntie doesn't feel like she can give that because so much of her life is maintaining the empire. So, like, when- oh, my God. The understanding of what their relationships are to her is just... Like, you you shouldn't be everything to everyone, but, like, knowing how you can support in your own specific way. Like, what a beautiful thing for the show to say. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Speaking of second-in-commands who are wound a little tight. (laughs) (laughs) Sam, do you want to talk about how you you felt when you watched the finale? Okay. All right. Let's, let's, let's Let's air this out. Um, Yeah, so... I knew, because uh, I, I got home late at night, Thursday night, and was like, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to watch this episode of Our Flag Means Death, and then get up nice and early because I still got more work to do the next day. Cool, cool, cool. Let's do this. Uh, yeah, watching it, watching it. And I had already been partially spoiled as to what happens. Spoiler alert here. If you haven't seen all of the season, stop now and yes. finish it and then come back. But uh, I was spoiled to the fact that Izzy Hands does die. And I go, okay, it's going to come. I know what's happening. I know this is going to happen. I'm watching the episode, and I just feel that pressure starting to mount inside of me because this season's gone such a long way. Not not to quote-unquote rehabilitate Izzy Hands mm-hmm. as a character, but to, to fully like have him embrace the the world that he is now part of right the family that he's found himself been found by right (laughs) Uh, with the the amount of times i texted sarah with just like uh, a needle drop reference where i'd be like sarah la vie rose oh my god sarah this woman's work Oh, you know, my, my heart breaking and exploding and all kinds of stuff. But um, like is Izzy grew so much within these very short episodes to being like, oh, my God, I feel so deeply for this man. This man who has come about, who has embraced uh, whether or not he himself is queer, but he has embraced his queer friends and family mm-hmm. and the lifestyle and everything. And then to have that all just snuffed out in the last episode where he is shot, he is taken to the boat and he dies in Ed's arms and the way he speaks to Ed, I was sitting there and I'm like, Oh, this is getting emotional. Oh, my eyes are welling up. And then it became full on just like, I am sobbing in bed at two o'clock in the morning going, oh my God, this fictional character died and my heart is breaking. Why? 
Con O'Neill, man. Oh my god. Holy shit. And screw oh, you, AMPTP, for keeping Con O'Neill from being able to talk about the beautiful work that he did this season. Yes. Oh my uh, god. I, I will be so excited for when the strike finally ends and then they do get to talk about these things. <sighs> mm-hmm. I can't wait. But yeah, I I didn't know that I like it's it, I, I I used to listen to a podcast called Switchblade Sisters. Uh it ended a few years ago. And uh one of the things that the host would say, it's not uh, what happens in the process of the show, but how it happens. So spoilers be damned kind of things, right? And I really took mm-hmm. that to heart later where I was like, oh yeah, no, I can, you know, interact with my things and then watch them. And the spoiler doesn't really matter mm-hmm. super much, right? But yeah, in this case, it was definitely how it happens where, yeah, he could have just died. It could have been the end of it. Mm-hmm. But instead, we get this long goodbye between him and Ed and him finally being like, you know, I, I thought I was your family, that I was the only person keeping you going, but I'm not. You now have this whole group of people who loves you as much as I loved you. And it's just beautiful. So heart-wrenching beautiful. And then, you know, they bury him and they give him you know, all do reverence and he's right outside the inn where he can watch over Ed and Steve. And you're just, Oh my God, my heart. So yeah. Yeah. Just my God. What, what a glorious piece of work. I think there's another theme running through this season. Not, not so neatly as, you know, be who you are and change delineated into season one and season two. But the, the theme I think really affects, is uh, throughout Izzy's arc this year is what happens when you get what you want mm. because at the end of season one he got exactly what he wanted he got Blackbeard back um, they were better slash worse than they ever were before and it turned out at the start of season two that he hated that mm-hmm. life Izzy didn't like working for Blackbeard he didn't like getting what he wanted and what were the the fallout of that was this horrific. I I don't think there was anyone who was not caught off guard by Ed shooting him, and him coming to terms with his leg and his amputation and being the unicorn. And so people people are arguing. We've we've already talked about the reaction to this. I I don't want to spend too much time on the actual show talking about the reaction to this. Um. But I think there's there's something about who the the whole show is about who are you supposed to be and who do you want to be? And is he finally finding some balance in that before he dies? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um mm-hmm. I oh my god. So I didn't love Izzy in season one and it took the react and it was just because Izzy was for the most part, outside of Badminton Twins, the primary antagonist of the show. And mm-hmm. and that's perfectly fine. There are shows where I very much love the antagonists, as we all know. But, like, I, I think I really just, like, butted into the fact that I wanted 
the happy fun pirate stuff. And here's this guy being like, no, but you're not the fun pirate. You're the mean, scary pirate. And then he had to eat his own toe as a result of that. So again, like <laughs> maybe be careful what you wish for. Um, but like, I feel like Izzy was the biggest, vis- like the biggest example of the growth in the season. Like, Izzy changes for the better the whole season. Izzy is, like, I think Izzy is really aware that he is responsible for the trauma that the crew goes through. <laughs> like, really, really aware. And and also, like, aware of, like, how can I help once he was in a better place to have that kind of awareness, right? And take care of the crew, because that is his job. Um, but, like, all of these little moments, right? Like, Izzy, you know, like looking out for everybody is he making whittling the shark for oh, lucius shark um like i, I it, it's it's a the whole shark thing too just being this oh my god wonderful way of like yeah you you figure out your trauma yeah and you learn you learn how to keep moving because not moving on is worse yes and that was so oh my god. just like yeah, sure. He may not be dealing with it in the healthiest way by saying, "Yeah, a shark ate, ate my leg," but at least he's trying to move on. Yeah, and it's like, oh, oh, that's so good. Well, and like uh, the, going back and rewatching, and I texted Sarah early on and was like, "Oh my god, the season literally opens with how it ends, right? Like Ed and Seed reuniting yes. on the beach, and Izzy dying, but it's all of it's flipped, right? Like there is, there's nothing but." confidence between the two reuniting and there's nothing but sadness for Izzy dying rather than like being glad that Izzy's dead because Izzy's calling him a twat um but like (laughs) we see Izzy die what three times this season and so it seems like when when it seems like Ed has killed Izzy and then you know then it seems like well Izzy's killed himself just for like a hot second um no we're just putting more bullet holes in the ship it's fine it won't fall apart while we're sailing it's cool let's <laughs> ruin the structural it's integrity so of much our wood. house our floating oh, house fine. yeah it's all made out of brazilian cherry wood a tree which by the way does not exist <laughs> <laughs> this is mahogany yes this is the heaviest <laughs> ship on the seas um but like like we've had because early on I was like the first time I was like well this is obviously a dream sequence and then the second time I was like oh shit he killed Izzy and I wasn't emotionally upset by it because I was like well we're already very down a dark place so like I wouldn't be surprised Mm -hmm. if that's where we're really going and then when it turned out that Izzy was like oh absolutely not um you're gonna get over your bullshit and now we're going to murder you and i'm gonna deal with all these people who you've traumatized and we're gonna try and figure it out oh but also i don't have a leg anymore so i'm still gonna be a dramatic asshole about it like like izzy has a whole journey and like really when we see izzy die at the end there's a beautiful callback to season one and it completely inverts that relationship that he had with Ed. And it's exactly what he's oh, explaining to yes. Ed. Oh God, where he, in the first season where he gets a mad and he says, there he is about Blackbeard. And he says, you're not Ed, you're Blackbeard. And this moment he's saying, you are Ed. Like we created Blackbeard together. Blackbeard existed because we needed that. And I didn't realize how bad I needed to be in a dark place and that I needed to not heal. And I needed to be you know basically just a horrible person and go around killing people and robbing 
you know, so I didn't have to look at myself. And he's saying, like, you know, you are Ed and you need to be who you are and stop pretending to be somebody you're not, somebody you're no longer connected to. And when he says that and he just looks at him and says, there he is. Oh, my God. And and he's bloody. And he just he whispers it. I didn't even hear it the first time. I just saw it in the subtitles. It's so beautiful. And he's got his hand, his his. Oh, God, I was so traumatized by this on several levels. He's got his bloody hand in Ed's hair. And the very, very rational part inside of me was like, fuck, they're going to have to clean that blood out of that wig. Oh, my God, that's going to be so much work. (laughs) It's a beautiful wig. Um, but like he had his hand in his hair and he was like, it's like he couldn't, he couldn't get the strength to touch him any differently, but he was just like, there he is. Oh my God. And like, I, I, I truly, so Sam, when I watched it, I was texting Sarah cause I watched it right before I went to work. So I literally had to watch oh, it no. and then run to a work meeting where I had to like be a normal person. And, um, and I, I texted her and I was like, is is he gonna die (laughs) and she just was like oh no and and then i texted her a couple minutes later and i was like please picture me asking you that question in all caps by the way um like fred savage in the princess bride like that's where i am emotionally (laughs) i am fred savage in the princess bride and so when i got to that point and i texted no sarah said nobody gets humper dank and i was like oh my god (sighs) but like Oh. oh my god like they just the way that the show is like you know where do we where do we have vengeance and where do we choose to have peace about something right like mm-hmm. like steed might be dead let's go to immediate vengeance izzy is dead and we know that izzy died loved and held in the presence of his chosen family and then was buried in a place where he can stay with his chosen family as a ghost. Like at the worst fucking inn ever created. <laughs> Sam, we have a show to pitch for pitch to you. So picture yep. mm-hmm. the UK version of ghosts. Yep. And now picture Faulty Towers. Yep. And now smush them together. And Izzy is a ghost bellhop. What do you think? The surliest bellhop imaginable. <laughs> so, what you can't you can't take your own fucking bags up to your own fucking. I'm a ghost. I can barely move a pen. So so I have to say I can't do his raspy. So all the people who were really deeply upset, which again, like mm-hmm. reaction. I just I feel like I always should say this reaction to a fictional death or the death of someone you didn't know personally who wasn't fictional. Um, having a strong reaction to that is in no way an indicator of you being silly or foolish in any manner, because mm-hmm. if that person was fictional, they were real to you and they had an impact. And that is a beautiful thing. And if you didn't know that person, they still had an impact. And that is still a beautiful thing. Um, but a lot of people got very, very, very upset about Izzy and rightly so because Izzy's had a beautiful transformation this season and Khan seems like the loveliest person um every story I've heard about him whispering in people's ears what I don't know what to do with that he's fucking mad I'm gonna put it in a box so I don't have to deal with those feelings (laughs) (laughs) the Frenchie model of uh, trauma 
Dealing. Um, but like, but like to the point that um, David Jenkins came out and was like, "Buttons is a witch." Like, Buttons yeah. is a witch. Two pieces of information: Buttons is a witch. True, and also, there's no version of the show that doesn't exist without Izzy Hands. And I read it, and I thought, well, canonically, this show has ghosts. So obviously, yes. Ghost Izzy is going to be a main character in season three, and I'm really excited. I think that is a phenomenal decision to make. Mm-hmm. I think it's really exciting. Um, am I am I slightly disappointed that he had to say it like yeah. that? Uh, a little, but I'm also yeah. really excited to see that possibility line ahead of us. If they get season three, which they need to, because otherwise HBO is homophobic. Well, HBO is stupid because it's still number one in the series right now. Like, if you look at the, the top mm-hmm. ten charts on the app, it's been number one f- yeah. since Thursday? Is that right? Like, it's just staying at number one. Um, and yeah. just, like, I really think they're going to hold out. I think they're going to wait until the strike ends to say something because I think nobody wants to announce anything right now except for Disney. Mm. Um, but like, <laughs> like I think I think they'll hopefully one hopefully the strike is resolved soon because all of us have friends that would like to get back to work, including present company. Um, but also mm-hmm. like you know I think they're probably just like good press can't come soon enough. Yes. Oh my god. I, I I mean this is also the opportunity to square the circle on the whole Izzy Hands is actually a teenager thing. What if Izzy <laughs> possesses the body of a like a comatose teenager and now you've got a surly teen <laughs> with Con O'Neill's voice running around. I only don't love that because I, I like of this... any version of that that's that's still Con. Yeah. Yeah, I <laughs> Yes. I I only struggle with that because so many people ship steady hands and I feel like mm. this community does not need to add an age gap to that conversation. <laughs> Cuz we've all Fair. seen what happens to oh, wait, wait. when that starts. <laughs> what what if he possesses the body of a teen or a young man? Let's say let's say make him like early 20s then. And for the first episode, you see the, the young man. And then once everybody accepts that, oh, it's it just busy possessing Con. this. All of a sudden, it's just <laughs> Con O'Neill in, like, young person clothing. Having to deal with, like, oh, I'm, I'm at the tail end of fucking puberty again. Con O'Neill in a crop top? Yes. Con O'Neill, Benjamin buttoned and dressed like Dennis the Menace. <laughs> Licking a big lollipop. Dennis the Menace. On the side. Dennis the Menace, who was a little bit dressed like a pirate with that stripy shirt. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um. Also, I feel like this is a good moment to introduce the conversation that I think we've had a little bit, which is these writers. Did the show specifically entirely air during the month of October so that it would be during Kinktober? Because that's what I think happened with the scheduling. <laughs> because there's like... um The very first day of Kinktober, Alex Sherman, writer and producer, um, sent a, a tweet about Kinktober. So he is not unaware. I'm just saying, you got to watch what you say on the internet. Because the people who write the television shows 100% are paying attention to you. And... <laughs> there is a group chat somewhere where these people are like, ha ha, look at them losing their marbles over this silly thing that we did. Uh, yeah, no, like, like the cat bell caller 
and oh my god, easy shirtless with a sword, and oh, <laughs> and oh my god, just like there was a lot there was a lot happening i just i i want to know did somebody roll up with a list of prompts and go okay we gotta hit them all (laughs) cat boy check (laughs) no please use your captain voice on me you have to demonstrate it multiple times Uh uh-huh um you got characters getting engaged and having a wedding um that's somebody's kink. That's all Monster I'm saying. Fucker. Monster fucker. Monster fucking. <laughs> Somebody turning into a cryptid. Um, mm-hmm. Murdering because you think the person you're in love with is dead. <laughs> and then at the end, they start a fucking in together. <laughs> Listen, it's only gay if you start a family together. <laughs> they already have a family. Damn it. They... Uh, they left them on the boat. This is this is like when all your kids leave your house to go to college and all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, we're alone and our ghost. So let's talk about that ending for a little bit, <laughs> that very last ending with the innkeepers, because uh, a couple people were upset that, well, people are upset about anything, yes. but um, yes. a couple people were upset that it felt like Steed and Ed were going to stay in that inn forever, which number one, they're not going to because they're going to be terrible yes. at it. I can't wait. I hope we get to see a whole episode of it. (laughs) Yes. Um, And number two, I think this is part of a larger fuckery. I think because we do end with them agreeing to team up with Shen. (gasps) So I think this is part of some sort of like, they're a base camp of some kind. That is a really, really good point. Um, We're, We're going to take down the English and the trading companies by pretending not to exist anymore yes um so when i watched the last episode and they were walking through nature with all their british navy outfits on and there's the shot where ed puts on ed with his long hair puts Mm. on the hat and i literally looked at it and i went that's elizabeth swan pirate king and then i saw other people on twitter had the same thought um and then all I could think about the whole rest of the episode was Elizabeth Swan Pirate King. Because, I mean, like, that's a that's a special thing. Um, but also... All, all I can think of most days is Elizabeth Swan Pirate King. I mean, you know, like, there's something so special about Elizabeth Swan Pirate King. Um, and I don't know about you, but I'm still super angry about the fact that Elizabeth Swan Pirate King had to stay home for the rest of her life. Well, Orlando Bloom I... went to see. Okay, first of all, fine, whatever. I have still. I saw the third movie once in theaters, and I've never seen it again. That's ever because that's of that. my favorite one. Um, this this show is now my second favorite Pirates of the Caribbean film in my ranking of Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> films. Um, yeah. Uh, no. So, but the end, right? The end specifically feels like. The final scene of Pirates of the Caribbean 3, where they're on the beach together, except they both stay on land and live together. And I just, I feel like I just watched a very strange Pirates of the Caribbean fix-it fic, and I'm not mad about it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I also saw somebody say that... um, that they think the the rest of the crew is just going to come back and pick them up every few weeks. 
like like dropping little kids off at summer camp or something like okay go go run your inn for a little bit okay you need to run around okay let's go to sea let's go you know like you know attack some ships okay now we'll take you home and you can do some crafting (laughs) (laughs) like like i in my heart the end of this is going to be everybody running the inn together and they're going to have to expand because it's a very small inn but like I also just, I love the idea that they're just, like, they're hanging out. But, yeah, no, Sarah, yours makes a lot more sense than mine because yours actually follows the fact that we got to kill this guy with no nose soon. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I, I had reached a certain level of calm when season one ended and we were and we didn't know if we were getting renewed yet mm-hmm. because season one is very much one story um if you guys don't know um david jenkins did a previous show called people of earth where uh season two ended on a cliffhanger and then didn't get picked up so he was specifically avoiding that with the ending of this season two where if they don't get picked up it's not a cliffhanger but there's also still plenty of stories to tell However, I feel like season one of Our Flag Means Death was such a self-contained story and arc for Steed that I I had reached a sort of complacency where I was like, if if we never get more, then this is a perfect story and it ended and there's nothing wrong with that. But with the end of season two, I'm like, you have to give us season three. You have to. Yeah, we... We just need one last revenge. That's it. <laughs> one yeah. last fuckery. This isn't House of the Dragon. I know it's an expensive show, but it's not House of the Dragon. I mean... No, God, no, it's not. The ship's already in New Zealand. Like, it can just stay there. I mean, I feel like, and this is a horrible thing to say, and this is a commentary on... um the people who make broadcast decisions and not a commentary on the quality or importance of anybody's queerness. But I feel like the fact that it is a show about queer men as the primary focus means it's less likely to get canceled than a show about queer women would. Um, Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But also they're stupid to throw away money if they cancel this show now. Yes. Yeah. Like the success of the show has just been wild absolutely wild Mm -hmm. and i i don't think we could go back in time too far like if if we went back maybe five years any time before that i think this show would be impossible Mm -hmm. but I, i i think we're in the right time and the right place uh while while queer acceptance is yeah, I, I think it's at an all-time high in the right parts of the population, where, unfortunately, the other parts of the population, it's at an all-time low. Mm-hmm. Uh, but f- fuck those people. Mm-hmm. Who cares? Uh, we're here. We're here. Get fucking used to it. Uh, I, I think it's As just... As he says, you will never get rid of us. No, you will never get rid of us. Mm-hmm. And this show is such a wonderful champion of like not just being unabashedly queer, but also then listening to the fans reactions and going, where can we be better? Right. The fact that Mm -hmm. 
a lot of people complained. Season one, not enough women. Season two came in and said, we fixed that. Here are more women. Enjoy more women. Right? Yeah. It just, yeah. And just gave us all kinds of relationships and all kinds of struggles. And uh, I mean, like uh, Olu and Jim being separated and then finding new partners. And when they get back together, there's no animosity between them. They're like, mm-hmm. oh, you found someone too. I love that for you. Yep. It's, ah, mm-hmm. oh, it's beautiful. It, it feels so good to have these healthy romantic relationships. And not all of them are constantly healthy. Everybody has struggles, but to healthily move through those struggles as well and come out the other side growing, transforming. I gestured towards Sarah, but she's not physically here. (laughs) (laughs) You gestured vaguely northeast. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Lots of planets have a northeast, Sarah. (laughs) It's, It's basically, it feels like our flagship of queerness Mm. means death, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) Uh, And I I love that shows like this and shows like Drag Race exist and that we are getting out there and there's just more queer acceptance happening more and more to the point where this is just going to become the norm. I don't mean the norm as in all media will be queer all the time, but just like let's let's have let's have good days let's have nice things happen Mm -hmm. right we're tired of queer tragedy let's have queer joy yes Mm -hmm. which we haven't talked about lucius and pete um which i just want to throw in there at close to as i think we're wrapping up here um you never talk about how you lived was another thing that just went uh, oh. fucking straight to my heart oh. this year. Oh boy. So, oh my god. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I feel like a couple years ago, three years ago, when Ted Lasso happened and everybody was so shocked and delighted that they inverted specific sitcom tropes, right? Mm-hmm. Of like, you know, like the big one is like the you did something really horrible to basically betray someone and now you've become their friend and you have to confess it to them. And they took it well because it doesn't matter anymore and you move on. And where like, you know, a traditional old fashioned sitcom that would have been like 10 episodes and you'd be talking about it three seasons later. But I feel like with this show, they have a lot of the similar things where it's like, you know, yeah, everybody has had trauma in these shows. Like being a pirate was a very stressful experience for these people like in the real life it was it was not like super cool hunky-dory nice and happy rainbows all the time like it was scary and traumatizing and that's you know like that's a factual remark on the situation but how they handle it is what matters and where it feels like they could have split these characters up because Lucius was too scared or too sad or felt like he couldn't talk to Pete. Um, Having Pete just, like, accept him and say, like, you know, like, you lived. You you are still here. And, like, that being a thing that Lucius needs to hear and all of us need to hear. And that leads Lucius to feel like he can finally put it behind him and take a step forward and do what he wants with his life. Like, what a, 
what an exciting thing to live in a time where traditional concepts of television are subverting the things we would expect in a story and giving us something that's richer and more interesting as a result. Yeah, something something aspirational, yeah. something... And while still acknowledging this... that Lucius is yeah. angry and barbed mm-hmm. and hurting people on purpose because of his trauma. Yeah. Yeah, just like Yeah, it's not it's it, it doesn't diminish anyone's pain. The yeah. show never sits there and says, "Okay, well, now we just get over it." Yeah. Right? It's mm-hmm. constantly saying these these people have gone through these experiences. People go through things and they change and they have to learn how to deal with it. That's the important part. How you deal with it, that's up to you. And having people accept that you have changed because of a trauma, that is also important, right? And this this incredible found family is just, they're, they're so ready to accept as often as they can. Like, I mean, yeah, they, they all kick Ed off the boat. Next episode, they go, you know what? If Steed's vouching for him right now, that's good enough for us. We'll let him back on the boat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. It's wonderful. I love this fucking show. It's man. so beautiful. I love this fucking show. Yeah. I I would like to make uh one one special shout out to a character we haven't talked about. A character only briefly seen. Steak knife. Steak knife. <laughs> Steak knife, <laughs> aka Mr. Reese Indigo. <laughs> I hope oh, we get invited oh to your wedding when you marry Steak Knife. New I, Zealand's strongest man, Steak Knife. <laughs> um, I find it wildly unfair that there are a whole <laughs> group of islands on the opposite side of the world that produce some of the sexiest men to ever exist, and they are on the opposite side of the world from me. I cannot touch them. They are so far. I would touch them with consent. I, I obviously can <laughs> but but oh my god he walked in i was like who's this tall drink of water immediately dies i'm like no my tall drink of water i'm so thirsty <laughs> and, and then you, you were so- complicit in a fridging you did this to start your hero's journey and then sarah of all people is just like oh yeah sam here enjoy his name look up some pictures and i go Oh my god, he's even sexier in real life. Somebody said that Steak Knife is the Calico Jack of this season and that he's barely in it, but he's going to have a huge impact in the fandom, and I really hope that's true. Steak Knife? That's me. I am, I am the fandom. <laughs> Steak Knife is my favorite character name to come out of, t- of a TV show since... Um, there's a Doctor Who story from the late 80s where they're, where all the characters have super weird names because they've been in a high-rise building their whole lives, and one of them is called Bin Liner. <laughs> bin Liner and Exit Sign are real names of the characters on the TV show, and that is, I feel like Steak Knife continues the tradition of naming someone after something completely freaking ridiculous, and I want to know everything about Steak Knife. I want to know how Steak Knife became Steak Knife. I would like to know about Steak Knife's friendship with Steed because, like, if Steak Knife hangs out there, you know, did they meet when the Revenge crew was working as uh, servers at Jackie's? 
Maybe I steak knife steak also knife has an a... identical twin. Oh my god. Please. Steak knife is such a quietly funny name because it's knife, which is tough, but steak knife, which is not the toughest knife. It's just it's one of those things that keeps making me giggle the more I think about it. Well, and like anybody the fact saying that Steve steak calls knife. him steaky. <laughs> steaky. Well, and does it doesn't Izzy say steak knife too? Because I feel like I hear that in my head. Oh, Izzy slash snake knife is already becoming um, a thing. Can I just? Oh. Not Izzy steak knife, but later in that scene, Izzy sits down beside Steed to give him like a good talking to, of, like you need mm. to get out of here before you killed, and like puts his hand on his thigh and just leaves it. It just. This is because Con O'Neill cannot help himself. I'm sorry, that makes it sound like he's a bad actor. No. But Con no. O'Neill can't stop having chemistry with everyone. Like, like I, I'm not even mad about it. Like, all right. He, he is the Eliza Dushku of this show. <laughs> oh, my God. It's too powerful. I, I just... I, it's far too powerful. I can't wait for Ghost Izzy to just be like, what up? <laughs> oh, it's so exciting. And that means that we might be getting you and Bremner back, which I'm very excited about. I've I've long said that Buttons is my favorite, and I'm so glad. Uh, I also would love to see um, a trans take on uh, Buttons' transformation, because I think that would be really interesting to read. I saw someone uh, say that. Particularly since he says he was in the gravy basket. Yes, yeah. I saw someone say he that. He says was he was beautiful. in the gravy basket multiple times oh, yes. and came out of it accepting that he had to become a bird. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, if no. if this is offensive, please let me know. I'm I'm sorry, guys. I I am definitely not meaning to be offensive. I am very store bought gender. <laughs> unfortunately, gender. <laughs> we have gender at home. Yeah, that that's my gender. We have gender at home. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! It's just yeah. Everybody, everybody this season firing on all cylinders. Not a single thing I would change about any performance. Um, oh, oh, what's the <gasps> name of um, the the woman in Led, Led, Ned Lowe's crew? Oh, Hellcat, Hellcat, Hellcat Maggie. Maggie. I, Hellcat Maggie. I need to know all about Hellcat Maggie. Need her back for season three. I, she was lovely. Uh, Hellcat Maggie is played by Josie Whittlesey, who... Um, is or was David Jenkins' part? Interesting. Which is extra fun to me. Yes. Oh, um, wow. Also, shout out to the actor who played Ned Lowe. And I kept looking at him and was like, why do I recognize him? And then I looked it up on IMDb. And it's Balky from Perfect Strangers, which if you're of a certain age, Perfect Strangers kids, back in the world where we used to stay home and watch um, regular television on Friday nights instead of doing anything, um, Perfect Strangers was the spinoff of Step by Step on the Friday night lineup of ABC, right? ABC? Yeah. Wait, it was a spinoff of Step by yes, Step? Yes, ma'am, it was. And yeah. it ran for eight the years. The Suzanne Summers show? Yes. Um, oh my it God. It ran for eight years. Um, <laughs> it ended in, I think, 93. And I was shocked when I looked up how long it ran because I had forgotten that it started, I think, when I was born. Um, or it's just before I was born. But, like, it, in my mind, those two shows go together because they were always together on the lineup. But um, 
seeing him and then realizing who he was. Here's the thing where my brain does a funny, um, what did you call this the other day? Um, that I, that I watch everything with a, you said something about when I watch television, I like, I don't do it alone. I have to like have a list of other things that go with it. Um, yeah, something like a like a spreadsheet <laughs> strategy or something. It's like a that. little like that. Um, yeah, I can't watch anything in a vacuum. But seeing him in this show made me want to rewatch uh, the leftovers <laughs> because <laughs> because a small um, a small bit in the leftovers is when they're talking about like who disappeared and who didn't, and there's no way to track why and how is that. Everybody from Perfect Strangers disappeared, and then it turns out that the other guy didn't disappear. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so all of that just from seeing some guy play a violin on a television show about pirates. <laughs> he was good. He was so good. I, 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 I genuinely thought, ah, here we go. This is our big bad of the season. And then, nope, 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 we're done with that. It. It's, it's uh, no nose dick face. No nose, no nose dick face. Um, well, and also in that scene, Sarah, you alluded to this. Um, Steve Bonnet invented walking the plank. That is a historical thing that I either yes. knew and had forgotten or didn't realize until this season. Um, but yeah, Steve Bonnet, the gentleman pirate total goofball of a man is the person who invented walking the plank and I reacted to it like um so a few years ago I was in a museum with my mom and we were looking at something on display and she looks at me and she goes did you know that we're related to the guy who invented that and I was like I'm sorry we're what and then we had sorry what yeah (laughs) and so then we had to like stand there and talk about it in great depth about how we're related to this person um and why this had never come up until a few years ago (laughs) And that is how I feel about <laughs> Steve Bonnet inventing the plank. Like, like I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You, you invented like the the like most stereotypical pirate thing. It just didn't exist before that moment. And of course, our beloved revenge crew immediately turned that into a way to make money. And good for it's them. It's interesting too because, I as a method of killing somebody, it's this very technically non-violent way you aren't doing them anything to them they are doing it to themselves it's just that you'll kill them if they don't Mm -hmm. um that i thought was really interesting (laughs) and must be the only reason why they allowed an actual historical fact into the show (laughs) (laughs) oh those damnable historical facts getting all up in our queer romances well and like i've said for a while because like steed the real steed died not long after the events of this show um and i've said for a while like either the show is going to go fully historical and we're going to end with that and it'll be a really big bummer and everybody will hate it or it's going to end with the two of them as innkeepers and i'm a little concerned because we've already hit innkeepers (laughs) but i do think that i mean we could get we could get the inglorious bastards ending Right. I, I would. This is one of the few times where I'm just like, yeah, give me an inglorious bastards ending. I don't care about the historical inaccuracy. Oh, no. Like at this point, like once once I realized Izzy was going to die, I was like, OK, like I knew we had already thrown history out the window. But um, 
But yeah, like I, I am fully on board with the concept that this show is just going to end with the two of them like fucking off to some little island and like running an inn or something and having a pet cat. And, <laughs> and I mean like a jungle cat, not like a house cat. Um, and and like I just, I, I feel like that's where it's going, right? Like it feels like we're going to kill this guy with no nose. And maybe we'll kill a few more of the people that were contemporary pirates, and then we'll just move on with our lives. Because, yeah, I think uh, I think Steed finally hit his fame as a pirate, and he realized that without Ed, it wasn't as lovely as he thought it would be. Now, we could and have uh, talked about this show for days, but I think we're probably pretty close to wrapping it up, unless there's anything big anyone else wants to bring up. Um, just that I think Auntie was saved by Trish. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Hundred percent. Lucius was also saved by Trish, yes. and thus saved by Zhang. I'm very glad the two uh, of you Tr- have finally seen that movie. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, Sam, you'd that. seen it before. I I was coming I, to it new. I I saw it New Year's Day with my with my cousin, and we were just like, "Oh my god, this yeah. this fucking movie!" So yeah. yeah. Now Trish, Trish. Trish is part of our lives and always will be because she's oh she's such a lovely lady. Yeah. Um. So I I think before we get to the big question, uh, we we must do what I guess we did last time is make some wild predictions that will invariably come <laughs> true for season three. So, uh, Katie Beth, wild ass predictions throw some out there let's see what sticks to the wall and happens because uh if anything this show has taught us is that the three of us are unwilling prophets for (laughs) minor things um okay well i'm going with um ghost izzy haunting both ed and steed and um I really hope that uh, people who write fanfic have fun with that concept over the next however long the hiatus is. Um, I am also going with Buttons the Sea Witch, uh, bringing Izzy back to life somehow. Is it a zombie? Is it, you know, Fox Mulder maybe turning into an alien in season eight? Is it, you know, back to regular human? Who knows? Is it going to be like Santa Clarita Diet where if he loses his thumb he has to velcro it back on i don't know um <laughs> and death becomes her izzy hands oh my god <laughs> um and and i'm also just uh i'm really i'm really leaning into the innkeepers thing and i can't wait to see them expand their empire into a larger shitty inn that the whole family can live in when it's pirating off season yeah um yeah that's what i'm going with that good predictions sarah any predictions uh after inventing peanut butter and i guess peanuts as well uh (laughs) and peanut allergies (laughs) and peanut allergies um roach is going to do like the ancient greeks as as i say that that's not the connotation I meant Whoa! for the show. Uh, <laughs> Roach is going to do like the ancient Greeks and, and invent, invent the steam engine, um, but just for fun and toys, the way the ancient Greeks mm-hmm. did. Um, and he is going to invent the instant pot. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's that's good. That's a good one. I I do I like. 
the 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 knight's tale kind of historical inaccuracyness yes. <laughs> that this show constantly pulls off. Oh wait, wait, I have yeah, I have uh, I have another one. Oh yeah, go, go, go. Um Alma grows up to become a pirate. Yes. Yes. Mm. Um and I'm just gonna say Gillian Anderson pirate one. Yes. It's what we oh all deserve. God. I I think for me I would like I would like uh, more Hellcat Maggie. Yes. Yo, yes. fuck it. Make make her part of the crew. Uh, steak knife twin. <laughs> steak knife. <laughs> uh, steak knife twin. He he could be I, I don't know um, I don't know, uh, Nutcracker or any number of you know. <laughs> salad fork. I did mean salad Ga- fork. Garlic yeah. press. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, lem- lemon juicer. <laughs> lemon juicer. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, any number of kitchen utensils. Maybe a whole family of burly kitchen <gasps> utensils. <laughs> That's your dream. It is my dream. Oh my god. I could collect them all. You need like an advent calendar every day you open and it's. <laughs> It's a new burly kitchen utensil advent calendar. Yeah. The thing I've always wanted. Thank yeah. you. Thank yeah. you. Um, yeah, more 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 lesbians. Yes. You know, more that's I, I'm always fine with more lesbians, more bisexuals. Uh oh, we never did talk about the fact that we did get to see uh Spanish Jackie's twenty husbands and the fact that some of them are canonically trans men. Yes! Mm-hmm. Played by trans men. Yes! Yes, so good, so good representation. Uh, yeah, more more trans characters, more non-binary, just more. Just give me more. Make gayer. Keep going. Um, I don't care at this point. Did did either of you have a response to Jim calling Zhang pirate queen? Because I think he changed (laughs) me as a person. I I had that feeling when I saw Zhang in the British uniform. Yeah, yeah. No, it was something about Jim saying it that I was like, all right. And and that's I'm I'm very sorry to people who were shipping the entire group that it seemed like it was going a little bit more traditional mm-hmm. monogamy, which like again, you don't know until they tell you. Um, but that was the moment that I was like, all right, you go ahead and flirt with her. All right, that's cool. I like that. You just just keep doing that. Yeah, that's okay. fine. Archie clearly has no Also, issues. I want more Madeline Sami. Oh, my God, yes. More Madeline Sami, please. Yeah. She is hilarious. She is a, a, a really minor role in this. Um, but please, give us more Madeline Sami. If you guys haven't seen Deadlock, please watch Deadlock. When she talked about being in the snake cult, <laughs> I was like, please don't ever show me the snake cult, but I would like to hear more about it. Yeah. <laughs> I just... Everything, like everything we we got in season one, we got more of in season two, and I just want this beautiful natural escalation and progression of that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Just, and it, you know, I, I'm I'm sure there are people who are being, you know, this feels like, you know, this feels forced or whatnot, and it doesn't feel forced. No, all these characters seem naturally there. This is the world they inhabit, and the British are cis white heteros yeah. who are horrible. My person. Like, you can't I be want gay sh- on the seas. Nope. I want this show to be more popular, but at the same time, I'm very glad that we don't have like 
the Star Wars people. Oh, God. Oh, God. Yes. Okay, you guys knew yeah. instantly what I meant. Nope. Yeah. We we don't have that reaction of people. We're just in our own cozy little corner. Doctor Who has never yeah, been gay. <laughs> Russell T. Davies would never <laughs> kill off a gay character. Russell T. Davies. Somebody literally said that. And uh, oh, uh, oh, my God. Oh, honey. Oh, my God. Oh, I know. I just, I just want to be like, oh, sweetheart. Let, let's get you a blanket and a warm drink and somewhere nice to sit and just. Do you, <laughs> do, do, are, are you lost? Do you need me to call your family? Because <laughs> you, you seem a little disoriented right now. Russell T. Davies would never make a gay oh. TV show. <laughs> I've seen that one too. <laughs> yeah, we're we're finally getting back to the good old days where Russell T. Davies will save us from the gay agenda. <laughs> Russell T. Davies, who's responsible for the comments, the master has a the master has a beard now. Oh yeah, and a wife. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I just love this. I love this. And I love talking to you guys about this. Because it it feels like, you know, we're sharing the same brain cell at the moment. (laughs) And it's, it's allowing just... It's nice. It's nice to have your fandom recognized by other people and your feelings recognized by other people. Uh, Like Mm -hmm. as Sarah said at uh, when she was talking to me about her time at New York, she was like, "Oh, it was great." You 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 tell it the 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 sign story the the uh, the billboard billboard. Oh yes yes so yeah um there is one last or at the. At the time I was leaving, on the last day of New York Comic Con, um, there was one last billboard up for Our Flag Means Death, um, roughly near uh, Times Square at 41st and 7th. And um, I was with uh, some of our mutual friends getting dinner after the last day of Comic Con. And as we were going to the Times Square subway stop, I said, um, like, I'm going to leave you guys here. There's a billboard that I want to see two blocks further north. And... They went, of course you have to go. Of course. I'm so glad it's still here for you. And they all gave me hugs. And that was the end of our time. And it was the realization that, <laughs> I guess, much like Steed, I'd, I'd found my people. I could say I need to go uptown and stare at a corner <laughs> until this one video billboard finally shows my show for five minutes to see a picture that I've already seen dozens of times. And everybody will just be like, that's right. And you're right for doing it. And that you will, you will find your people and it might take you a really long time, but you will find your people. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's, that feels like the thesis of the show. (laughs) Um, Before Mm. we go, just like Sam, I have, I have one more bit. I want to ask everybody. Uh, We've talked a lot about, uh, trauma trauma (laughs) generational trauma uh but what if you had to throw out just like one joke from this season what would it be oh my god oh not throw out like get rid of but like oh my god that made me laugh um you wrote me a lovely letter is so beautiful and so fucking (laughs) funny because he's like, you're probably dead right now. So I'm just going to scream out to the world. You wrote me a lovely letter. Oh my God. 
Also, I know this wasn't a joke, but it's a joke to me. Steed saying, life's a dick <laughs> before he kisses Ed when they make up. It's so funny. <laughs> you weren't a dick. Life's a dick. <laughs> All right. Uh, ooh, gosh. I I loved the back and forth between Mary and Anne of just oh like, oh, she poisoned me. And, oh, the knife's in my back. Well, you put it the in there knife. and you have to take it out. And the knife moment? <laughs> flicking, was... flicking the knife before she does anything to Like, oh, this knife? Ding. This knife here? Ding. I'm literally uh, clutching on Ed and Steed's faces as they're horrified. <laughs> like, yeah. I... I have seen that scene multiple times now and I'm still not over it because what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I I think just just that relationship even though it's a it's a little bit toxic it's still like a great fucking relationship you're just like oh. yeah I do I do want to watch these two try yep. to kill it like it's very Adams family. <laughs> yeah they're kill they're trying to kill each other because they love each other. Right. Oh man so many jokes i think i think the probably the best joke is just the swede thriving (laughs) while 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 it's good for him and it's transformative for him it's just the constant like everybody's constantly shocked that oh like we thought you were going to be dragged off to a world of hurt and pain and instead you are blossoming you're thriving in this like sex dungeon world of yours good for you bud <laughs> um whatever it is that jim calls pinocchio the like little wooden boy <laughs> little wooden little boy flesh, the little fleshy boy <laughs> who who longs for flesh or whatever oh, like <laughs> I, I made a flesh now <laughs> and the voice vico doing the, the voice, voice is just oh my god I Fang cannot. asking Fang? for 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 <laughs> oh do, do, do the voice Can, do the vo- I don't want to do the you're gonna do the voice oh, oh I wish I was flesh and then seeing him smile oh my god Fang too Fang such a hot oh. Fang taking <laughs> Fang taking Ed to go fishing oh my going god. to go catch some fishes oh shh, shh, quiet quiet oh yeah, yeah I guess I should be shh. He caught one fish and he decided to become a fisherman. Like, that is just... Yeah, that's... It's very real. (laughs) Yeah, control your pop-pop. Control your pop-pop. The fact that you call it pop-pop tells me you aren't ready for it. Um, Um, I I will say my standout is anything Matthew Mayer does, just keep your eye on him. You will never be disappointed. It has no. to be a, a, a tear a tie between um, you have impeccable balance, babe, <laughs> and uh, I've never even seen one of these before. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, the sketchbook, the sketchbook filled book. with blackbeard faces. <laughs> Here he is. He's a doggy. He's why? A why? Doggy. Why would you draw his face on a doggy? Here he is. He's a mop. <laughs> when he's a flower. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I I messaged Sarah after the sketchbook and it was just like, you're going to get one of those Blackbeard face tattoos, aren't you? Oh my god. I've already seen a few on you know, Twitter. I, 
I I have actually booked. I I am in the process of booking an appointment for the mermaids logo, and I'm seriously considering just going crazy and getting one of those black beards instead. Oh my god! Please do it. Yes, lean into the goblin nature. Just put the Blackbeard face on anything you want. You can just imagine yes. that it was still done. So I think I think we unfortunately do have to come to the end now, yes. which means is Our Flag Means Death Season 2 camp. Katie Beth, you're our guest. Let's have you go oh first. Oh, God. Um, Mini Driver's camp. Um... Oh. <laughs> um Steed dreaming about being a romance hero and then being interrupted by farting is camp. With a beard. Again, a really lovely piece of wig work. Um, Shout out to whoever is hand-making those pieces because they're beautiful. And if you say otherwise, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, Those take a very long time to make. Um, Izzy with a unicorn leg is camp. Shirtless Izzy with the sword and candles and a unicorn leg. <laughs> um, the fact that the the writing team on this show said, let's just do Kinktober and wrote eight episodes of Kinktober. <laughs> it's definitely camp. Um, what did Jenkins call it? The pirate production of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Yes. Um, the rat coat, which thankfully did not make it into the show, is not camp. Oh, thank fuck. I saw that picture and then immediately muted that word so oh, I never have no. to see it again. I saw you. Right. I saw your mute. And then, oh, it's awful. Just go on Twitter. It's on there. I saw your, your comment yeah. about muting it and then I saw what it was and I was like, oh, oh, somebody made that. Oh, God. Um, yeah. Th- those are my snakes. Mm-hmm, yeah. No, thank you. Fair. Very fair. Um, buttons turning into a seagull is camp. I, yes. I, I, I say I... I don't feel like I can give a correct assessment of the season as a whole, but I will say there are many beautiful bits of camp within it. And that to me is all that matters. Question mark. Yes. That's, I think that's where I am. I think, uh, I think, I think a lot of it's camp. Ned Lowe is camp. Yeah. (laughs) Torturing somebody with a violin is camp. With his silver violin. Um, Ghost Izzy is camp. (laughs) Do you think he'll have his real leg or his unicorn leg? Uh, I don't know. I think they'll have him probably with his unicorn leg. I hope so. Yeah, because it's part of the transformation, right? It's the person he became. I don't know. Homophobia is stored in the ankle. Maybe he's... (laughs) Maybe he's a force ghost. (laughs) Yeah, and he's young Anakin Skywalker instead of old Anakin Skywalker. Sam, how about you? Our flag, it, the season two, is is camp when it needs to be, and it's sincere as fuck when it needs to be. And I mean, that this is the thing we we keep coming to every once in a while. Things that are camp are also wildly sincere mm-hmm. in what they're doing. The satire is the sincerity. And yeah, it just, it, it's transformative. This is found family. This is everything that we want out of 
queer life, joy and and growing as people and love and and acceptance and stuff. And then it's also silly things like a sketchbook full of your nemesis's face <laughs> or you know, nose sangria as we said last year and oh my god it just goes on and on. I, I love this show. I love everything that it's doing. I love all these characters, um, except for that noseless dick face. <laughs> Prince Upper Dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, oh God, I, I love it. Prince Humperdinck more than Noseless Dick Face because at least Prince That's Humperdinck fair. was Chris Sarandon. So, yeah, fair. he was Amazing. serving. Very fair. He yes, serving. he was. I, I could change him, <laughs> is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's camp when it needs to be, It's and then it's sincere when it needs to be. And it's such a fine line to not make that tonal whiplash or make it insincere because of the camp or less camp because of the sincerity. This, this show is, I think one of, one of our, our tent pole, like camp, this is so camp, Mm. but it does it on such a level that nobody else is quite reaching. Mm Yeah. Yeah. So mm -hmm. praises, praises all around as we wait for season three. I think this season is camp. I think it is less camp than season one. Um, but also in its defense, I have one word, and that is merman. Merman! Merman. So thank you for joining us today on our exploration of Our Flag Means Death Season 2. Please subscribe on your podcaster of choice. Leave a star rating and review where you can, because it always helps us to find new people who may not know what their camp favorite is. Yes. And next week we will be... Oh, God, I can't believe I'm doing this. And I'm the one who programmed it. We will be diving into Greece. (gasps) Not literally like a big vat of Greece. Like the the, the musical movie. The nation state? Yeah, the nation state of Greece. We will be taking a nap in the middle of the day, as uh, any civilized country should. <laughs> no, the the movie musical. Basically, the reason I program this is because I I really dislike fifties nostalgia. It has always wigged me out. It's given me a bit of an ick. It makes me feel uncomfortable. And I'm just like, you know what? Time to face my fear. People love talking about Greece. People love this this movie, this musical, this deeply silly thing full of 30-year-old, 37-year-olds pretending to be 16. Ugh. Yeah. So uh guess what? I I'm gonna I'm gonna face my not fear, but my ugh, and finally do this. I'm gonna watch it beginning to end, and I'm going to enjoy myself. Yeah. You can do it. Yeah. I can do this. I don't think I have seen this movie in full since I was a teenager at a sleepover. Wow. Oh. So maybe it's about time for us to, to reappraise it. Yeah. I. This has never been one of my uh, favorite musicals. So like you, I'm, I'm trying to go into this with an open mind. Mm-hmm. Let, let Grease come to me as it is. Anything to say about Grease, Katie Beth? Um, I deeply enjoyed Grease when I was young because I find it very fun. Um, 
I don't mind 50s nostalgia, so it hit me in a really, um, like, a good spot for, like, entertainment when I was that age. Um, I will tell you that Stockard Channing refuses to talk about Grace. And I find that a very curious mystery indeed. I know this because Martin Sheen said it in an interview. He wouldn't, he tried to get her to talk mm. about it and she wouldn't when they were on the West Wing together. Mm. Okay, I assume this was like in in interviews. No. But if she won't talk about it, wow, that is locked up tight. With, you know, Martin Sheen, who played her husband the president. for seven years. The so, president. yeah. President Bartlett. I mean, President Bartlett. Yeah. Our favorite fictional president. Um, what I want to know is when you have finished Greece, will you be continuing on to Greece 2, which I have never seen but have been told that is really enjoyable and worth my time? I think that's been on our to-do list since we started the show, if I'm not wrong. I, I think because we're also horrible nerds who are completionists, we may just have to. <laughs> and we're also like, it's Michelle Pfeiffer. How bad could it See, be? Yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer. I understand from Brett Goldstein's podcast where he talks about movies that it's apparently a perfect film. So, yeah. I feel like maybe it's time. Okay, well, we will watch Grease for next week and see if we want to continue to Grease 2 in the future at some point. But until that point, you, our audience... Whoops, I just gleeked all over my phone. Uh, <laughs> it's when you're, like, speaking and your tongue kind of makes, like, a... <laughs> torrent of spit suddenly <laughs> shoot out like a sprinkler it's called gleeking a weird mm-hmm. word i learned and i just won't let it go from my brain i thought that was brain. what it was called to be um, a glee fan it is <laughs> yeah it's also the squirting of the mouth yeah mouth i made squirts. that a lot worse <laughs> you could continue the discussion on our twitter and Blue Sky and Instagram, all at the same handles. I am at Rhys Indigo, R-H-Y-S, spelled the Welsh way. Katie Beth, where can the people find you? Um, I am also on the Twitter. Um, it's at Kbethry, K-B-E-T-H-E-R-Y. Um, and I have a lot of opinions about television there. Do you need a Blue Sky? Good opinions. Like, we, we can send you one. You know, I have one and I have not activated it because I am too old to learn yet another social media site. And yes, I am saying that as somebody who has hated TikTok since 2019. Oh, it's it's essentially just Twitter again, but no algorithm. Yeah. I don't know. I finally trained Twitter to only show me like gay pirates and Jillian Anderson and Jody Whitaker in suits. So <laughs> okay, it's been a good week. Yeah. Uh, I am at Sour Citrus Lady. You can follow the pod on at Is It Camp Pod. Until next week, wait an hour before swimming, watch out for snakes, and stay camp. Bye! And in the words of Steed, as he was confronted by Izzy about his cursed suit, Oh, fuck off! Okay, not too kind. No, not the way you do it.